0: Hi, I'm Alex Wilton-Regan, and you're listening to The Sound Architect Podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to The Sound Architect Podcast. I am Sam Hughes, and I am joined by the lovely voice artist, Alex Wilton-Regan. Thanks for joining us today, Alex. How are you?
0: I'm very well, thank you. How are you, Sam?
1: Very, very well. Enjoying some warmth still while it lasts in the UK.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good luck with that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it won't last long, I'm sure. (laughs) So, did you have a fantastic time at the BAFTA Games Awards when we saw you?
0: Yes, I did. I got shamelessly drunk, I have to tell you. (laughs) And I think I left at about 5am, which was obviously the, I mean, yeah, not the BAFTAs. The BAFTAs finished considerably earlier than that. But I I put in a good show at the after party and then the after after party. Um, So yeah, I did. I had a lovely time. Thank you. How about you?
1: Yeah, lots of hours of networking. That's what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. Lots,
0: of, lots of networking, but also just seeing lots of friends that I work with and colleagues that I've done a lot of games with, and some of them were winners on the night, and I felt really happy for them. And uh, no, it was a really good night, and BAFTA had a new format for the Game Awards, and I thought it went really well, really well.
1: Yeah, it was good, and they're, they're constantly modifying it. You know, you can tell that they're slowly getting to, to grips with the game side of things, and they're updating everything a bit more.
0: Absolutely. No, and they're passionate about what they're doing, and I really respect that.
1: Yeah, and the game you were in was nominated, wasn't it, as well?
0: Yes, I was in Guitar Hero. Unfortunately, we did not win. Uh, (laughs) But it's fantastic to be
1: nominated still.
0: Yes. Yeah, thank you, it is. I was was really pleased for that.
1: So let's go right back to the beginning then, shall we? How Mm -hmm. did you first enter your journey into the world of acting and voice acting?
0: Um, So I always wanted to be an actor, so that was sort of step one. And then after I completed my A-levels, I went to drama school, I went to the Drama Studio London. And at drama school, they ran radio classes, along with, you know, acting for film and television and stagecraft and voice workshops and so on and so forth. Oh, cool. And uh, during the radio classes, they had, um, well, there's this competition called the Carlton Hobbs Competition, mm-hmm. and every uh, every recognised and respected drama school participates in it and sends four of what they feel are their best actors to the BBC to compete in these radio competitions. So you go up against graduates from RADA, Lambda, Oxford, and all these kind of places. And uh, I went, I participated, and I won two special commendations. And that was kind of the first time that I went, huh, voice work, huh? Maybe I should pay better attention in those classes. Uh, so, <laughs> having had the nod from the Beeb, going like, "Yeah, that Alex, she's all right at what she's doing," uh, I thought, "Okay, I better make a note of this." And then when I left drama school, I um, I obviously, you know, actor, waitressing, working behind bars yeah, and the standard. usual stuff, standard, <laughs> standard actors, actors jobs, you know, two waitressing jobs and all the rest of it, multiple nannying jobs, and uh, anyway, by the time I got fed up, uh with with that, I decided that I wanted to expand the acting work that I was doing. And that's when I decided to specifically go forward and try to get a voiceover agent. And when I when I did get one, and I signed with Rhubarb Voices, who I'm still with today, the rest, as they say, is history.
1: Oh, wow. Awesome. So yeah. that moment with the Beeb, then, would you say mm-hmm. that was your big break? Or do you have a, a bigger turning point that you consider that was your big break into the career?
0: No, I wouldn't say that was my big break. I think that was just the moment that I I sort of took it seriously and was aware that voice acting was potentially a job as opposed to just being something that you did on the side. Does that make sense? So I I think things started clicking in my mind at that point, but no, I would say that my, my big break was being cast in, um, Dragon Age uh, Origins, which yeah, was the fantastic. first one, wasn't it? So yeah. yeah, I think that was that was undoubtedly my big break because that was the first ever video game that I auditioned for and I got cast in it without knowing what the hell I was doing. <laughs> and then and then from then on, it's just been this kind of long term love affair with Bioware that I never want to let go, and I'm pretty vocal about that. So. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, no, no problem. Yeah, I, I can see why. And yeah. we'll uh, we'll get to your return to the Dragon Age series in a moment, and so. Is there a proudest moment so far, or is this already returning to the Dragon Age series? <laughs> it
0: probably is, or yeah, I would say it probably is already returning to the Dragon Age series. I mean, I, you know, I, I slightly worry that I've peaked too soon because I'm not sure that. Anyone's oh, I highly ever doubt gonna talk that. In, uh, hey, it's possible. Like, I'm still a jobbing actor, actor for hire. If anyone's listening, you know. Um, but no, the Inquisitor was. I mean, she she was special. Like, there's no two ways about it. She was very, very, very special, and she holds a particularly special place in my heart. I mean, I, I'm incredibly fond of some of the other characters I've played. You know, I played Pinky Bufflooms in um, in Little Big Planet three, and I voice multiple characters on the Cartoon Network show uh, the amazing world of Gumball and and I have you know numerous tech clients that I work for and I voice products and all these kind of things and I love 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 all of those jobs but in terms of scope and scale and journey and response and recognition Dragon Age, Inqu- Dragon Age Inquisition is going to be very hard to top very very hard to top and also everyone at Bioware is just completely lovely so that makes it even harder <laughs> god damn it
1: Bioware Stop, Stop being you. so nice. Yes. <laughs> it's true that true. <laughs> awesome. Well, it must have been quite an incredible experience though. I mean, it must have been massive.
0: Yeah, it was in terms of just the amount of hours that yeah. that we recorded it for and you know, the amount of time that that took, that was undeniably massive. Um and I think the recognition that it got, that was quite life-changing and you know, my Twitter followers, I think, you know, jumped by oh, 50% boomed. or whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, it was, it was everything about it has been massive. That is absolutely the right
1: word to describe it. And how many, well, lines, for example, or how many hours did you spend in the studio recording for Dragon Age Inquisition?
0: So I think, so I was with Mike Laidlaw, who is the creative director of Dragon Age, of the Dragon Age series. I think I recorded 200,000 lines. Wow. I think. yeah, that's what he said the other day. And I was like, really? Although I could have misunderstood. I may have done 120,000 lines and there may be 200,000 lines in the game in total. Um, Someone very clever, cleverer than me would have to check that. But it it was between 120,000 and 200,000 lines. I know that much.
1: That's still a lot. How many hours did you end up in the studio?
0: I, I honestly I couldn't tell you
1: I mean there was Just a there lot.
0: was, lot yeah a lot <laughs> a lot a lot over several months so yeah a lot lot
1: yeah definitely and out of all of those moments in the game do you have one that you're most proud of
0: absolutely my most proud moment is could one thing in this fucking world just stay fixed so, <laughs>
1: that's a very yeah. statement that's relevant to you know it's a very relevant statement to the world in general I think exactly you
0: know? <laughs> that's why it's my favorite line and I believe Patrick Weeks wrote it in uh Trespasser so congratulations to Patrick Weeks if you're listening thank you very much for that line
1: excellent and was there a moment that really you know was the most emotional that really kind of tuned into your to your kind of feelings there
0: yeah, I think when I oh, I don't want to give away the spoiler, but um, in <laughs> in in Trespasser, the stuff that happens with Solas when you learn certain things about him, um, you know, especially if, for example, you've been romantically linked with him, is obviously quite tough. That was tough.
1: Um, wow, best spoiler-free sentence I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> the stuff. Uh, The the guy with the place. Yeah,
0: (laughs) that stuff was quite emotional. Yeah, that was quite emotional.
1: And how did you find getting into the character for the Inquisitor? Was it quite an easy transition or did you have to kind of feel out Um, what it was going to be?
0: I wouldn't say it was easy simply because I was very nervous. So I think that when you're nervous, that sort of locks down your receptors and your emotional responses. And, you know, it's sort of, um, what's the word? It sort of blocks the the actor's emotional intelligence of course, and yeah. because of that I did struggle initially for for quite a few sessions at the beginning I mean how can I put this um the directors said that they loved what I was doing and maybe they did I, I hope they did I hope they weren't lying but I didn't feel like I found the Inquisitor really until oh, at least a good month a good month into the recording you know yeah. and and then I felt like I knew who she was um, well, it's
1: quite good to hear that, you know, even professional actors like yourself still get that, um, those nerves and that you need the time to relax into the role absolutely. and everything, you know, because obviously other people listening out there who are maybe quite early on in their voice acting careers may be mm-hmm. going, oh my God, I'm still really nervous every time and it's really hindering. Totally
0: me. normal. Yeah. And it's even worse when you get the job because then you're even more nervous because <laughs> then you just go, oh, I don't want to mess it up. Oh, I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> it's I don't like, yay. Oh, And I constantly think... That, that people are going to fire me constantly. I mean, I, I'm recording this game at the moment and I'm loving it. And I just keep expecting them to call my agent and go... <laughs> you know what we know that we've done all this work with Alex but we're so sorry we actually made a mistake um, and I, I just I live in fear I live in fear
1: yeah I think that's every actor's nightmare plus they're always expecting it you know
0: yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I really think I need to see a therapist on that note
1: that's um. <laughs> yeah, just actors in general yeah. are always going to have that there it's like um imposter syndrome isn't it you know where you always think like yes. wow why me I'm sure yes. I'm not quite you know so what was the process like throughout the original audition then so you first audition. Uh, the original
0: audition was very relaxed. Um, I had Caroline Livingston, who's an amazing, um, a- amazing director, voice director at Bioware. Um, I've worked with her several times before. She's incredibly kind and compassionate but also wildly passionate at the same time which I love so she's always excited and enthusiastic to work with you and that enthusiasm is very infectious and um and 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 it's great because you need it because you're working so intensely and intimately for so long you know so it's great that she does bring that to the table
1: yeah
0: and uh, so I remember auditioning for it and I had no idea what it was because I'm always the last to know and I'm just a bit (laughs) thick and I never get the signals when people telling me, tell me, I mean, I, I genuinely, I'm not making this up, Sam, when I say that I have started jobs and it's just co-stars that have said to me, by the way, you know that this is the new blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, <laughs> shut up. Are you serious?
1: Is it really? Amazing.
0: You know, and I'm always the last to know. So, <laughs> um, yeah, always. I'm always the last to know. In fact, that happened on Guitar Hero Live. I had no idea what it was until my co-star turned around and was like, you do know that we're recording for Guitar Hero Live? And I went, shut up, we are not. <laughs> Amazing. Right? Yeah, we are. So um, so the initial process, yeah, it was just a kind of relaxed, um, I don't know, maybe six to eight page audition, couple of scenes, couple of uh, deliveries and so on and so forth. And um, and then they rang my agent a while later and told me that I had the job.
1: Fantastic. And you know, the reason that you're the last to know is that because they're literally so quiet about what it's going to be. So you literally just get, the pages and that's all you know
0: yes correct that's exactly right so they just send you lines they won't send you a title they may send you a, a you know a diversionary title like mm. you know guitar hero lives code name could be submarine 4000 so i'm <laughs> yeah. like okay aquatic adventures aquatic adventures is this is this i don't know what is it is it i don't you know and so my mind's going crazy and then someone's like no alex it's obviously guitar hero <laughs> um so obviously. yeah it, yeah obviously
1: to everyone <laughs> but me so, with the Bioware process, did you record over here?
0: No, I recorded. Ev- did I record everything in London? Yes, I did. I recorded everything in London, and um, they listen in at the other end. Or sometimes they don't, and we just send the files over to them, and hopefully they like them. And if they don't like them, then they come back and go, "Yo, Alex, this is awful. Please re-record."
1: <laughs> hopefully, that didn't happen too often. <laughs>
0: just you know 12 or 16 times
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i think out of two hundred thousand lines or possibly 120 it's forgivable yeah it's
0: forgivable exactly
1: (laughs) so were you directed over skype or something or were you directed with a voiceover director over here
0: uh voiceover director here predominantly so uh british voiceover director in the studio with me at the time right sometimes caroline would drop in for some of the bigger more poignant scenes um to just sort of make sure that they got exactly what they wanted from those.
1: Yeah, because obviously they've got a vision in their head and they want Absolutely. to hear you recreating yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Which do you find um, a lot of things we discuss with voice actors and stuff is that you have to try not to give them what they want, if that makes sense, in thinking too much about what they want while you're trying to perform? That makes sense. Goodness, no, go
0: go again, Sam. Sorry, like I said, I'm the last to get everything. It's
1: It's my wording as well. It's not the best. So, like, obviously, you're trying to become the character, yeah. And sometimes you're too busy thinking about what they might want or might want you to do, rather Mm -hmm. than just being the character and performing the performance. So, do you reckon that sometimes gets in your head and gets in the way, and you've got to sometimes just let it go and not try too much to think about what they want, rather than being the character?
0: Uh, Yes, I would add to that, that in my experience, the best directors will respect your, your art and your craft as an actor, and the best directors will trust you to give them what you're giving them in character, and will hopefully trust you to find something that is either what they had in their head, or similar to what they had in their head, or improved from what they had in their head yeah and rarely in my experience would I be so off-piste as to be almost miscast that I would be down a totally different avenue I mean of course it can happen absolutely it can happen but a lot of the time I'm very fortunate that I work with directors who know me know my work have know have you know worked with me before and sort of trust my judgment yeah and and are excited by what I bring to the table. And I really value that because exactly as you've said, it then allows me to be free and to give them something really authentic and hopefully slightly deeper than getting stuck in my head with, you know, technicalities and all the little bits and bobs. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's one of those misconceptions by a lot of people who, who aren't in voice acting, who maybe assume, oh, yeah, well, it's just, you know, voice acting, it's easy. You know, just talk. But there's so many more (laughs) elements to it that people don't understand, and it is a craft. It's like being a musician. It's not just, you know, say these lines.
0: Absolutely. No, I think you're right. I think you're bang on the money there.
1: Yeah, definitely. And throughout the Bioware process then, what was Mm -hmm. the most challenging, whether it be a performance or something throughout the recording session?
0: Bioware process, what was the most challenging? Um... Probably the sex scenes with, with um, the oh, god yeah played by Freddie <laughs> Prinze Jr. I was, I was so shy. I had to get them to turn off all the lights in the studio. Um, I had to get them to turn their backs to me so they weren't looking at me. And I could still see them laughing through the two-way glass, by the yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> But, but that took some Dutch courage on my behalf. In fact, I'm laughing now and just thinking about it. That was quite, yeah, that was quite an awesome day.
1: That was yeah, very I funny. Yeah, <laughs> um, I bet. Just thinking about the, the humour and how nice Bioware are, actually. Yeah. You um, just reminded me of a, a video I watched of you recording on YouTube. Yeah. Where you kept spitting on some poor young man. Oh, I know. <laughs> In the <studio>. I know.
0: <laughs> Connell. Yeah, poor Connell. Um, yeah, he's lovely. He wanted to be spat on. He asked very nicely. I'm happy to oblige if that's what you wish.
1: You know, <laughs> like, Fantastic. that is going to
0: be every every teenage boy's wet dream now. I'm happy to oblige. If yeah, that's yeah what definitely. You wish. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, Dragon Age Inquisition was a phenomenal game, and it did fantastic well, and your voice in it is definitely one of the favourites for the Inquisitor, I'm oh, sure. Thank you. I know very thank much you. from uh, from social media and things. Now, Guitar Hero Live was a very different project, so mm-hmm. tell us a bit more about your role in Guitar Hero Live.
0: So Guitar Hero Live, she's a very cool sort of, you know, Radio 6 music, kind of London lass, and um, oh, it was so much fun because... Um, I got to improvise a lot, which almost never happens. Oh, wow. That's brilliant. And, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. We, we we totally had the lines in front of us and we knew what was needed. But there was just so much scope to do. Uh, I mean, exactly like when you were out, listened to the radio, that, you know, let's say, I don't know, Radio 6 music in the morning time of breakfast or something. Yeah. When people are like, hey, what's up, guys? Um, so the day today, what is it? Is it? Is it Tuesday? Is it Wednesday? You know, on all these kind of little improv-y things around it. As long yeah. as we got the gist of the message out there. Um, but I loved, 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 loved doing that. It was like the same when I played Holly Cruz and Forza Horizon oh, right, again, yeah. playing a DJ. Except she was like a really stoned Californian, and they're driving through the desert, and everything <laughs> is mellow. Awesome. Yes, I love it. Awesome. <laughs> you know, and I quite like. I basically, I really like playing radio DJs. So if anyone. Ever a me for a radio DJ very happy to do it for you um because it's, it's just free and it's easy and it's cool and it's sexy and yeah it's a lot of fun lot is of that fun.
1: something you'd even consider maybe being a DJ on the radio do
0: you know what I have thought about it in the past I think I'd really enjoy it
1: yeah I mean a lot of voiceovers go into it don't they
0: yeah i just i don't know would people like to listen to me every day for four hours i mean really will they get awr fatigued i get fatigued my mother gets fatigued You know, so, no i just yeah no i would um, well i mean you'd be playing life, music I'd in between
1: to, right you wouldn't just be talking be for the full lot four lot hours music, <laughs>
0: a lot of music <laughs> yeah no exactly i would um it would need to be, to be monitored and and uh, well-managed, I suspect.
1: You have a manager on the side going, Alex, can you just kind of rein it in a bit, please? Yes, there would be, though. That's the thing.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Now, just for the benefit of our listeners, Guitar Hero has evolved a lot since the original ones, and it actually has voice acting now for a start. So, obviously, it's no longer just play the songs. Can you tell us a bit more about why your role is in the game now?
0: Yeah, so my role in the game is basically to encourage the players of, uh, of Guitar Hero to play bigger, play better, play louder, you know, win prizes, give feedback, so on and so forth. And just, I think, just give the whole thing just a little bit more life and literally make you feel like, you know, a hero, like a rock star, yeah. guitar hero, guitar hero live. And uh, that rock star feeling of when you're on stage and, you know, you're at Glastonbury and you're playing to 180,000 people, as we all have never been at one point in our lives, never. <laughs> um, but, you know, when that's happening, I'm sure that there would be a very cool sort of Fern Cotton or Edith Bowman, you know, cheering them on from uh, from from some, you know, cavern or other cavern. Not thinking that balcony, balcony <laughs> overlooking the stage, cavern, um, cavern. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: so you know it's that kind of vibe, basically.
1: Awesome. And have you tried playing the game yourself?
0: I haven't played it, but I have seen it, and uh, and it looks fantastic. It looks really great.
1: Yeah, because I mean it's one of those love or hate. I think people are either good at it or they just can't figure out the buttons. You know, yeah, the, exactly. The controls. Yeah. So a lot of people, as I said before, consider a career in voice acting, and a lot of people have you know misconceptions, and they're like, oh, I could could just go into voice acting because it's that simple you know just go into voice acting um so what would you say to people starting a career in voice acting that they might not be aware of
0: um whenever people ask me about that the first thing i say is that the answer's sort of in the title so it's voice acting and i think if you are not an actor if that is not your passion then you will find voice acting really quite difficult because yeah, obviously being a voice actor is just, a, it, it's just another facet of acting. It's another component. Yeah. And when you look at the voice actors who do work in the games that we all love to play, the Witcher, the Dragon Ages, the Mass Effects, um, the Assassin's Creed and so on and so forth. When you look at those actors, they are actors first and foremost. So I think that is something to consider is is acting your passion? Because also remember that voice acting is a part of what I do as an actor as a whole. Of I course. also do television work, film work, stage work, radio work, and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, it's a bit like physical theatre. If, if you're getting into physical theatre, that means you have a love of theatre, not just of the body. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, I understand what you're what saying? saying. Yeah,
1: definitely.
0: Um, so I think you have to be passionate about it. I think you need to listen to performances find out which ones you like, find out why you like them. And then also have a a really good think about what is unique about your voice. What can you do that's really interesting that maybe other people can't do? And that's a difficult question to answer because of course it's an ever expanding market and that means that more and more people are getting into it and it's probably in danger of being saturated if not saturated already, just like the acting profession is. But I do believe that if you love it enough, if you're passionate about it enough, if you've got the talent and you stick with it long enough, the cream does inevitably always rise to the top, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, having said that, don't be disheartened if you don't get anywhere, anywhere fast, if you're not in Game of Thrones, for example. You know, Game <laughs> of Thrones. But but genuinely, when I when I started in when I started in voiceovers, no one wants to do voiceovers. Not out of the actors that were on television and film. You yeah. Know? So you would not get Kevin Spacey doing, a, doing Call of Duty back when I started this seven oh, years no, ago. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And things like the success, the runaway success of television in the last eight years has meant that we are more celebrity-focused, celebrity-driven. And, you know, now, to be honest, the majority of auditions that I go up for, I am constantly up against other actresses who are very well-known television names. And I'm often the only person on the list that isn't in a major television series. Now, I feel honoured to be in the room and to be considered for the job, but I'm aware that potentially they're, they're going to be great at the job. Of course they are, but there's they also have the star factor. I don't yeah. have that yet, you know? And that's just a reality. And I guess my point is keep going, keep going, keep going. Don't be disheartened just because you're not a name yet no one is a name when they start out you know um my work is known in the video game world for playing the Inquisitor and god bless Bioware that it's the case but apart from that you know I'm not really I'm not really a television name I'm not a film name yet so it's about you know you keep working
1: keep working keep working and it's quite interesting that you mention that actually so when you've worked across different mediums because obviously as you say you're not solely a voice actor you do work across Mm -hmm. all mediums have you found other actors' attitude to not particularly your voiceover, but voiceover in general? Have you have you found that they have sometimes maybe had a bit of actor snobbery with it?
0: Oh God, it? completely! Oh yeah? Jesus, absolutely! Let's be honest here, and there'll be there'll be there'll be publicists listening to this interview, rolling their eyes, going, "Don't say that." <laughs> but let's be honest, people. Right? When I started out in this seven years ago as a voice actor, um, I was like, no one no one did voiceovers. People were like, oh, have you fallen on hard times? You have to do the voiceovers, (laughs) you know? Now, okay, I can be working on something with some big, big names, okay? Names that you and I would know from TV and from film. And they're like, how the hell do I get into voiceovers? I am trying and I am trying to get into voiceovers. And I just, I can't get into voiceovers. And I'm like, well um, (laughs) let me give you some tips um but yes I think absolutely that it it, it, the tides are changing big time you know games are sexy games are innovative games are the future they always have been it's just taken the rest of the acting profession a bit of time to catch up with that
1: does yeah, that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of other areas are catching up as well. You know, the game side of things, because I'm a I'm a massive gamer myself and a massive mm-hmm. fan of games. And, you know, I've known how great they are for years. But Absolutely. it's taking a while for the rest of the world to catch on and go, oh, hang on, these games things are actually pretty cool.
0: Absolutely. Like, and then And then actors who want to work in that medium and also actors learning how freeing the medium is and how brilliant and how beautiful it can be to work in and how, you know... 120,000 to 200,000 lines of dialogue as the Inquisitor is a hell of a lot more than I will ever be offered in any film, for oh, example, definitely. Much longer.
1: Yes. you
0: know, I mean, maybe a television series, if you are the lead and cast for, you know, uh, five series or something, but five seasons, but you know it's um they're very rich and complete experiences from my point of view as an actor oh, of course
1: i mean on a side note i've noticed television series are now picking up a lot more traction as well you know it's not just films yeah. that have the big names suddenly games and and tv television absolutely. series are a big focus now
0: absolutely absolutely and that's why i think increasingly when i go into audition i'm seeing oh that's the girl from game of thrones oh that's the girl from humans oh that's the girl from utopia you know all these sort of um very cool uh, English uh, productions.
1: Yeah. And I I won't name any names, but um, even I've noticed over the years when celebs, for example, have come into video games and you can tell they've been brought in for the name and they're maybe not so accustomed to voice acting.
0: I think that's true sometimes. And um, I got a bit pissed off with an actor. I'm trying to think who he, I'm trying to remember who he was. I can't remember who he was. I can just remember getting cross at him. Because he was talking about this game that he'd done. Right. And he'd had quite a big role. They'd paid him silly amounts of money. And then he was just like, oh, I wouldn't do it again, though. I mean, it's not real acting, is it? And I was oh, like, you're a douchebag, man. Yeah. You're a douchebag. Because you were playing a big role in a big game that people will listen to and love. Yeah. And, they paid you, and the company paid you a lot of money to do it, and now you're toes, turning your nose up at it, you know? I just thought, nah, it's not cool. It's not classy, mate. No, it's not classy. Definitely.
1: And people would need to respect the gamer community and how much they, they love the material.
0: Absolutely agree. Completely agree with you. That's a really big part of it for me.
1: And speaking about the community in general, kind of broadening now, mm-hmm. um, Outside of acting and everything else that you do, you also have your own charity that you've set up, haven't you
0: yes i do it's um it's a charitable initiative called Play for Calais, and we take pop up cinema uh, sports, safe play, and vital aid to the seven thousand residents refugee residents of the Calais jungle, so the refugee camp in Calais that the residents themselves have have dubbed the jungle, and we predominantly work with boys aged 10 to 18 boys and right. girls now actually they've just started taking girls on at the refugee youth center aged 12 to 18 and we also then work in a separate area with the naught to 12 year old children and their mothers in the women and children's center
1: and how did that first come about
0: oh you know me left-wing liberty loving <laughs> humanitarian aquarius uh, actor and activist, just you know, Christmas 2015, pissed off with the way that Europe's treating the refugee crisis. Which, to be perfectly frank, to anyone who's listening to this and not fully aware of the scale, As a human rights barrister described to me over dinner the other week, this is not a refugee crisis. This is a refugee apocalypse. You know, this is absolutely awful. There are 65 million people in the world now, the highest ever in the history of humanity who are displaced through conflict and war. Wow. You know, and we've got hundreds of thousands of them on our doorstep you know, we've got millions of them coming into Europe. We've had, I heard on BBC Radio 4 today, it's August now, and in the first six months of the year, 4,000 refugees have drowned in the Mediterranean trying to reach Europe. That's awful. Are we not Are we not better than this as a species? Can we not yet provide safe passage for people? Um, in fact, anyone who's really interested about this topic, there's a fantastic programme on BBC Radio 4 all this week, during Women's Hour, which is 10 to 11am, and you can BBC iPlayer it, about women and children living in the jungle in Calais. And how, you know, I found this absolutely heartbreaking that a huge number of women who are in the camp, who are pregnant, possibly from someone they love, most likely not from someone they love, unfortunately, most likely because they have been raped at some point along the way, or have had to sell their body for sexual favours in exchange of transportation and trafficking. But these women are trying desperately to jump onto the backs of lorries, for example, and get into the UK so that their child will be born in the UK and not in France and therefore be given a British passport instead of a French passport, which is just horrific and heartbreaking. And I'm a woman and I can't ever imagine doing that so the fact that these women could be that desperate and have to do that it just breaks my heart to be honest so yeah so something had to be done it has to be done we all have to do something and um I'm doing something about it in my own very 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 small way and it is tiny because the situation is so massive
1: yeah I mean it's it's awful how much horrible things are happening around the world at the moment I mean it's Mm, so many devastating 65 million that's an yeah. insane amount of people that are displaced yeah. at the moment absolutely no it's horrific it's absolutely horrific and so what how does play for calais work i mean obviously you bring these things to the jungle mm-hmm. so how many of you are there and how did you get the word around how did you get everyone involved
0: um so social media has been really important for every tri- trip we've done i'm um, i'm the founder and the director and there are a few star people who have sort of emerged over the six months that it's been up and running um sammy patterson who is a, a a director now also sort of creative director tommy ellis who we picked up and he's head of sports and then we've got the play for cali superstar team um people like johnny Aldred and tiara atai uh you know they come through and they help with loads of stuff crystal genesis and katty grassy they help with the media, I'm giving shout outs here, Johnny Lishitz, Philip my <laughs> they're doing the website. So I beg, borrow and steal people's talents and time to help me pull off the projects that I feel are important. Um, how do I know that these projects are important? Because I go to the camp, I've established long lasting trust-based relationships with the residents and the long-term volunteers there. And I ask them, I say, what do you need? You know? So for example, all aid that goes into the camp, We know that that is needed because we've asked them, what do you need? So, for example, just really basic things. I mean, baby formula, baby wipes for babies like that, uh, you know, that shouldn't that shouldn't really be a gift. That should be a given. Um, And then things like um, they wanted some clocks, some child friendly clocks to put on the, the, the wall so that children could start learning the time. We've just bought a load of books in Farsi, Pashto um urdu and um i'm forgetting one of the languages um for the children uh so that they can start reading in the early learning center you know they're just just basic things that we absolutely and utterly take for granted that's how the aid works and then in terms of the cinema project i have a really strong belief and passion in the power of art and sports you yeah. know that kind of goes without saying and um Yeah, I just thought, you know, let's take a cinema over. And then we built a football pitch there and we've got loads of cricket going. Um, I've taken so many cricket sets out there. (laughs) So many cricket sets. So many cricket sets. Um, But they're absolutely mad about cricket. You know, for the Afghans, cricket is to them what football is to us, the English. You know, it's their sport. So uh, understandably, we've taken a lot of that out too.
1: And I think it really is good to shine a light on these things because people get so wrapped up in their own bubble. That, you yeah. know, they think their day's been hard. Do you know what I mean? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's all about perspective. But, you know, even things like baby formula and these things, these are the basic stuff that yeah, people need to survive.
0: You know, absolutely relative. And I really believe in that. You know, there are probably hundreds of thousands of people, maybe if not millions of people in the UK who live below the poverty line and whose lives will be just as hard, if not harder, than some of the people... I meet in the camp. Yeah. However, the majority of the people that I meet in the camp have it far worse than anyone that I know personally here in the UK. And I've chosen to turn my energy and enthusiasm towards that because the truth is that no one is. You know, there aren't official aid agencies working there on the ground. I mean, there are two or three, but really very, very few. The majority of the aid that's going in is set up by people who are like me we're untrained we're giving up our time we don't take a salary we're doing it because we're passionate about the power of humanity and we see these people as human beings not problems not migrants not swarms of migrants you know it's just ludicrous I mean I've been there I don't even know how many times I've been to the camp now maybe 12 or 15 times I've never met an economic migrant Genuinely, hand on my heart, swearing on my mother's life. I have not met an economic migrant in all the time that I have been there. I have only met refugees. So the narrative that the media presents is so skewed, you know,
1: it's heartbreaking. Well, that's the problem with the media in general, isn't it? You can never really trust what's, what's being put across.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and of course, the point being that because the refugees are living on an unrecognized settlement, It therefore means that the basic standards of sanitation and housing that would be required of an official recognised refugee settlement, those standards are not met. So, for example, for the 1.5 million refugees living in in Lebanon, for example, you know, they will be living partly in camps that are funded by UNHCR, for example. They will have a specific number of taps and toilets available for safe, clean running water. That's not available in the jungle because the settlement is not recognised. That's a huge problem. That means that the people living there have no rights and no protection and no sanitation. I think that as the fifth and sixth richest countries in the world... France and England, respectively, sorry, France and the United Kingdom, respectively. I think we can do better than that. I really do. And I have to say, I've been incredibly moved by the amount that the British public has donated to play for Calais and by the level of support that has been offered and by the amount of volunteers that that have come forward. You know, It really makes you realise that the average person, they really do care. The average person is good.
1: Yeah. yeah, and it reignites, reignites your belief in humanity, doesn't it, when people come forward and do a good thing? Absolutely right. So, people listening out there, how can they get involved with Play for Calais? What can they do?
0: Um, so, we have a website now, which was fantastically designed and built by Philia and Johnny. So, thank you so much, guys. Uh, the website is org. That's play, P L A Y, and then the number four, four. Calais, C-A-L-A-I-S dot org. And on there, they can have a look at the different links um, that we are fundraising for. And in particular, what we really need at the moment, if I'm being incredibly honest here, is not more volunteers. What we really need are cash donations towards the purchase of minibuses to be delivered to the camp because there is no transportation to and from the camp at the moment, which is a massive problem because, for example, ambulances won't go into the camp. That's just one example. Um, Deliveries won't go into the camp. That's another example. So in terms of getting aid to the camp, we need minibuses. In terms of getting people out of the camp to uh antenatal checkups at the local hospital or for example um asylum uh asylum claim meetings uh in various area parts of france we need transportation to get the refugees there um i cannot stress how important these minibuses are and we're desperately trying to fundraise fifteen thousand pounds which is a mammoth task um, yeah, I think we've lot. got a I think we've got a thousand so far and um we've had a donation that's coming through from Save the Children, God bless them, and um we are aiming to purchase a minibus for the refugee youth centre very, very soon. And just things like taking taking the children from the refugee um youth centre. So these are all unaccompanied children so that means they're between 12 and 18 years old and they don't have anyone over the age of 18 with them they don't have any supervision and as i said there's no there's no sanitation in the camp so there are no laundry facilities so one of the things we want to teach these kids is we're going to take you to the laundromat and when your clothes are dirty You get to wash them, and this is how a washing machine works, you know. And it seems so obvious,
1: but but it's it's such an
0: important—it's such exactly—and it's such an important life skill. And everything that Play for Cali is built around and geared towards is about giving people their humanity back. Let's bring them a cinema. Let's make them laugh for a few hours. Yeah, definitely. Let's help the children to play safely with adult supervision, you know, so that the mums can relax for a bit.
1: Yeah, give them a bit of a life.
0: Yeah, let's get the let's get the dads and the boys over on the football pitch, you know. Um, which is not to say that the girls can't come too. It's just they don't tend to, you know. Yeah. So yeah. it's about giving people back their humanity, basically, and being a light in the dark for them.
1: Well, I think it's amazing what you're doing. And oh, I thank you. Hope Sam. that play for Calais still continues to succeed. Thank um, you, as do I. Yeah, and we'll be popping a link below for anyone interested in checking out the website and having a bit more information as well. Thank you. No worries, and. You know, that's amazing. You've done amazing voiceover work. What, what's next? So obviously more Play for Calais stuff. And can you talk about any of your future projects at the moment?
0: Um, I can't talk about any of my game projects because I'm NDA'd to the hilt. Same with my, say, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. The same with my tech projects. Um, but I have done three short films recently oh, that cool. I think all of them are very brilliant, very different and very interesting, and um, they're being graded, and one of them's on the festival circuit at the moment, but I'm so looking forward to getting them out there. Um, One of them is called, um, well, it was called Kareen, but I think it's now called, oh, I can't remember the new title, this is terrible. Something about waves, beneath the waves, it's not beneath the waves, it's something about, oh, this is awful, Uh, I'm so embarrassed, I can't remember the new title. Oh, it's called, it's called, and A Calm Swept Over. That's there what it's you go. called. So it's called A Calm Swept Over by Andre Landin, and um he is a very talented Swedish director. And um it's very beautifully shot, and I got to shoot it in Menorca, which is a small island off the coast of Spain. Lovely. And I play a freediver called Corinne, and that's gorgeous. Um and just stunningly moving. And uh I've done another short film called Mate, directed by Tom Connolly uh opposite ed stoppard and that was a fantastic 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 film to work on because it's a very black comedy and it's absolutely hilarious and i hope it will have people in stitches um and then i'm moving on to another one uh this weekend so when that's done that will be coming coming your way too
1: amazing well we'll keep an eye out for those then thank you and i have a really fun question to finish off with now go for it so if you could have a drink or hang out with anyone alive or dead who would it be
0: I think it would be Jesus wow. because <laughs> because let's get this straight, right? Jesus, like there have been a lot of wars and a lot of crime. Okay. So it probably be like Jesus, Muhammad, Moses and the Buddha. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I'd like to get around <laughs> the table and I'd be like, yo, dudes yeah because they are inevitably dudes let's be honest about this yes i'd like like to be like yo dudes okay first of all who here (laughs) i'd I'd just like to be like one are you actually the son of god yes or no that would be great yeah just want to clear that one up and two all of these wars that have been committed and all of your names like could we just do a podcast right (laughs) now, right here? Could we do a live YouTube interactive hookup thingy or something on Periscope to just clear up like all of this nonsense? Because I just like, I don't think that you guys are happy with this, you know? I don't think that like fundamentalism of any religion is making any of you guys, you know, jesus muhammad moses or or the buddha you know i don't think it's making any of you happy so um so can we just can we can we clear that up like now um (laughs) so uh, yeah that's that's what i'd like to do that that's probably that would be the most useful and then i'd probably like opposite them i'd probably have like oprah winfrey to just Set the record straight with everything <laughs> and bring unifying peace to the world, basically. I think that would be a really good start.
1: I think everyone yeah. would watch. Yeah. yeah. definitely. Hell, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I just can imagine most of them just going, wait, they've been doing what? <laughs> no, no, no. That's-
0: why would you do that
1: okay so hang on i spent years of my life telling you guys to be nice to each other and not kill anyone yeah and and you've missed that really
0: important point of thou shalt not kill you
1: missed that one (laughs) sentence in the whole book jesus
0: yeah (laughs) exactly it's not my fault like (laughs) exactly exactly so yeah just to clear all that up i think that'd be really
1: fun awesome i think that's a great end to a fantastic podcast thanks for joining us today alex it's been an absolute pleasure having you and i hope you've enjoyed your time with us
0: Oh, I really have. Thank you so much for, for having me. And hopefully I can come on again soon once I'm allowed to talk about my top secret projects.
1: Yes, definitely. Once that's all been cleared by MI5, we would yes. love to have you back.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Great <laughs> to come back for sure.
1: Awesome. We'll take care of yourself and we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks again, Alex.
0: Thanks very much. And you, bye.
1: Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Sound Architect podcast. We really appreciate that. And we just want to say a big thank you to our sponsors, Dehumanizer 2 by the guys at Crotos. Fantastic piece of software. And we hope that you join us again soon.